So please, if you would, open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. We'll continue. We'll actually finish up the, the, the chapter today. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll start. Father, again we come before you and we're thankful that we can come and worship you in our singing and in our giving and we pray now that you would receive much worship, Lord, as we bow our hearts before your word. Lord, thank you for your word as it guides us, as it is truly a light to our path and a lamp to our feet, Lord. We just thank you for this and we ask that you would accompany the preaching of your word now, Lord. Father, I ask that the Spirit would come and convict us where we need to be convicted and encourage us where we need to be encouraged, Lord, and that we would leave here today, Lord, not torn down, but built up in who we are and who we are in you, and that we would see you more clearly, Father. So, Lord, I pray these things that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to ask a question. How do you know you're saved? How do you know you're saved? Our lives are our greatest testimony. This is what we're going to see in Galatians is a changed life. Is Paul's changed life. We're going to witness the saving power of the gospel. The gospel of grace gives our lives meaning because it changes our lives. The power of the gospel shows us who we were. The power of the gospel shows us who we are and what we can expect as we are these changed people and we seek to please God and not man. Has your life changed? Are you different are your affections different for the world? Do you see the world differently? Paul's testimony or his witness is to the power of the gospel. We also see that he argues for his credentials of his for his apostleship that has been challenged by the Judaizers. And so first what I want to look at is this changed life. But before we see that, we see who Paul is, his former life. So look with me at Galatians 1. We're going to read verses 11 through 24. This is what the apostle writes. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard, this is where we'll start, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But... When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. 
Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the region of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it, it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. When we read this passage, we see that Paul's life changed. When the gospel took root in his heart, when God revealed his son to him, his life changed. But what was his former life? Galatians 1, 13 and 14, this is what Paul writes. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of our fathers. This was Saul at this time. He would have been Saul as he was persecuting the church. And he would not have been our, um, our candidate to be the one to send to the Gentiles because he was persecuting the Gentiles. He was persecuting anybody that came to Christ. And we would have thought that Paul or Saul would have been, we would look at him and say, there's no way the Lord could save this guy. No possible way. Look at what he's doing. Look at what his life is like. And so we see that, first of all, we see that Paul was a persecutor of the church. We read some of this last a couple weeks ago, but he was a persecutor of the church. Acts 8.1 says this, And Saul approved of his execution. This was Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, and except the apostles. In 8.3 it continues, But Saul was ravaging the church. Entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Acts 9, 1 and 2. But Saul, breathing threats and murders against disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He was after the church. He was a ravaging lion after the prey, and the prey was the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Paul confesses to this. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Again, he tells uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 13, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorant in unbelief. Secondly, Paul was one who was a devout Jew. He was a devout Jew. Acts 22.3 says this, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, in Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamil, who was like one of the preeminent rabbis. This is who Paul was educated by. According to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest 
and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. But he was a Jew. He was zealous for the traditions of his fathers, Galatians 1.14. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among many of my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. He was zealous. He wanted the traditions of the father. It was more about traditions of the Jews than it was about the scriptures. But he was zealous for these things. He was advancing. He was growing in these things. He was increasing. He was profiting. He was spending himself on his Judaism. He was devout in every way, which made him a prideful man in his Judaism. Acts 26.5 says it this way. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And we have to be careful because we can live as Pharisees. We can live according to the strictest rules of the Bible, but we are Pharisees because we're living to please God instead of knowing that we are pleasing to God and living that life. We can easily be Pharisees when we put rules and regulations and demands on each other and even on our own lives. Acts Philippians, or Philippians 3, 4 through 6, Paul says it this way to the Philippians, though I myself may have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. This is a prideful man. This is why we look at Paul and we say, this man no way can the Lord save him because of his former life. But Paul has a time in Acts 9 where Jesus meets him on the road and we have a conversion. And Paul is converted as he, is in, as he encounters Jesus. And we have this, this little area there's where in Galatians 1.15 it says, but when he had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. We see Paul now going from being a persecutor of the church to being one who is persecuted for the church, right? In Galatians we read that he bears the brand marks of Jesus. We also read within the Acts that he was stoned, he was beaten, he was whipped, this was his life now. He was a converted person. His life changed. When we read the account in Acts 9, he went from persecuting the church to preaching the gospel. He went from hating the gospel to loving the gospel. He had a changed life. He knew he was saved because of the radical change in his life. But this isn't anything new we read in the Bible. God has set many people apart. He just didn't set Paul apart, but he set many people apart. Noah was set apart. Abraham was set apart. Joseph was set apart. King David was set apart. The prophets, Daniel and Ezekiel, these men were all set apart. Isaiah says about himself in Isaiah 49.1, Listen to me, O coast, coastlands, and give attention, you peoples, from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. 
from the body of my mother he named my name Jeremiah also says in 1.5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is what God tells Jeremiah. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So even before Paul was born, he was set apart in the womb. God had the plans for Paul. And Paul was not only set apart, but he was called by God's grace. He was called by God's grace. In Galatians 1.15, we, we see that. But when he who had set me apart before I was born called me by his grace. This word call means to bid or to come forth. This is what he did. He bid or come forth. This is the action of Paul. Romans 8.30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So then once Paul was saved, once he was set apart, once he was converted, now we see Paul has a ministry. God's going to tell Paul now what he has to do. Jesus tell Paul on the road that there's going to be many things that he's going to suffer for his name's sake. But we read in Galatians, we read what Paul's ministry was. We read what happens after Paul's conversion. Look with me at Galatians 1.16. He said, he was pleased to reveal his son to me. In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now, most theologians believe that when Paul went away in Ara into Arabia, that he had uh, a tutoring session with Jesus. This is where Paul learned what he had to learn, what what uh, he wrote about, what, what Jesus wanted him to learn. Now, there's nothing that says that here. I'm just saying this is what theologians believe. Then he says, and after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. Now, Cephas is Peter. If we have an idea, this is who Peter is, is, is Cephas. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Because remember what we talked about is these Judaizers were, were coming after Paul. They were saying he was a liar. What he was saying wasn't right. He has no authority. So he's reiterating this. I'm not lying to you. This is what has taken place. Then I went into the region of Syria and Sicilia. I was unknown in the person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So we see this is what Paul's journey was up to this point in time. But God revealed his son to him. He revealed his son to him. This was the first thing. He took off the cover. When something is revealed, we take off the cover. This is what this word means. Paul saw Jesus. God revealed Jesus to him in Acts 9, 3, 4, and 5. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He revealed him. He took the cover off. He opened the book. He saw Jesus. And then he says, you're going to be my instrument to the Gentiles. You're going to go and preach to the Gentiles. For a Jew to go and preach to the Gentiles in that time was unheard of. Because the Gentile people were considered dogs. 
they were lower class citizens, even if we can use the word citizens. And yet, God is going to use the Jew of all Jews, right? The Pharisee, the one who is blameless under the law. And he said, now you're going to go and you're going to preach to the Gentiles my gospel. Wow, this is amazing is what he's going to do. Galatians 2, 7 through 9, Paul writes this, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, this is the the Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. In Acts 9.15, says this, But the Lord said to him, this is to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Romans eleven thirteen, Paul writes, Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry, Romans fifteen sixteen, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Ephesians 3, 1, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Ephesians 3, 8, To me, though I am very the least of all the saints, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles. Listen to that one. This grace was given to me. Paul looked at his ministry as grace. To do what? To preach the good news of Christ to the Gentiles. The unsearchable riches of Christ. This was his ministry that he had. But now, this is what we have in common with Paul. We see that this is what he had, his missionary journeys in here. As he goes and he preaches. So we have to ask, okay, so we see that Paul had a bad life and he persecuted the church and God converts him and he has this changed life. So what's that mean for you and I? Right, because essentially what we get in verses uh, 13 through 24 is we get this autobiography of Paul of what he was doing. So what does Paul's biography mean to me? Why would God put this in the Bible for us to read? It's because he's showing the power of the gospel in someone's life. This is why he's saying it. We have a lot in common here. What's the first thing we have in common? Well, the gospel revealed to Paul that he was persecuting the way, right? This is his former life. The gospel does the same thing to you and I. It tells us who we were. The gospel tells you and I who we were. Our former lives. Listen to who we were. We were those who were dead in our trespasses and sin. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Colossians 2.13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. We were dead 
We were without God. We were without hope. We were wallowing in our sin. This is who we were. We were enemies of God. Now, some of us might sit here and say, I was never an enemy of God. I've always loved God. Well, that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible is very clear that each and every one of us was an enemy of God in Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. And if we were enemies, we were those whose God's wrath was upon we are those whose God's wrath was upon. In John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This, brother and sisters, is who we were. And maybe if you sit here today and you're not a believer and you haven't repented of your sin and you're not trusting in Christ for your salvation and his work on the cross, this is you. This is you. You are now dead as you sit in here in your trespasses and sin. You are an enemy of God and God's wrath abides on you. This is who you are, not who you were. But brothers and sisters, if you have repented of your sin, if you're accepted, if Christ has come into your heart, if he has saved you, this is who you were. So who are you? Who are you now? That's always a question. That's a question that's out there now, right? Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? We all have these. Well, I'm going to give it to you. So pay attention. This is who you are. This is who you are now. You are one who is chosen. You are set apart, just like Paul was set apart. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, this is you and I. We were set apart before we were born. We were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world. This is who you are. You are chosen. This is what Romans 9, 24 tells us. Even us whom he has called not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 24, he puts it this way, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ the power of God, the wisdom of God. Again, in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and the grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. We are people who are filled with grace. We are who we are because of that grace. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Even as he chose us in him. When? Before the foundations of the world. Before you were born. Before you did anything good. Before you did anything bad. God set his affections upon you. To choose you. To make you alive. To make you his child. This is who you are. Right? that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Why? To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Your salvation is a praise to God's grace. His electing you, his appointing you, his drawing himself to you is to the glory of his grace. 2 Timothy 1.9, 
This is what Paul says, that God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. We have a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. We see the same thing in Paul's life. We see that God set him apart. Why? For God's purpose. But what a glorious changed life we see in Paul. He is one who hates God to one who loves God. He is one who persecutes Jesus to one who preaches Jesus. Does this describe your life? Is this what you do? Did you go from an enemy of God to now God's friend? Do you consider it that way? 1 Peter 5.10 says this, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We are called by God's grace. Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This is who you are. You are called. That means you are a new creation. You are a new creation. You've been regenerated. You've been reconciled. We're new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Oh, how much we have in common with Paul. The old went away. Behold, the new has come. We see that in Paul's life. His former life. You are your greatest witness. You are a witness to this world. Look at your life. Look at where you were, who you were, and now look at who you are. Look at who you are. So then, what's the purpose then? Why did God save you and I? Well, obviously, for his glorious grace, for his purpose, for his will, so that we will glorify him, that we would worship him. But not only that, he saved us for the same reason. He tells Paul that the reason that you're going to be my instrument is to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Our purpose is to do what? Is to preach the gospel to all that we come in touch with. All who we come in touch with, we are to present them with this glorious gospel of grace. That means we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors to everywhere. We are an ambassador to the, from the king of kings. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. These ambassadors means that we are a representative of God. We think of ambassadors that are in different countries, right? And what do they do? They represent the United States of America. We are the same thing. When we are ambassadors, we represent God. That means this. That means that I am not an American Christian. Or if we think of Brigetta and Martin right now, they are not German Christians. But no, you know what we are, brothers and sisters? We are Christian ambassadors who live in America, who represent the King of Kings. Just as Brigetta and Martin being over in Germany, they are Christians who are in Germany representing the King of Kings to preach and proclaim the gospel. 
This is who we are. Who do we preach and proclaim the gospel to? Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every color, every gender. It doesn't matter. Whoever we come in touch with, we might come in touch with a transgender person. You preach the gospel to them. We might come in touch with someone who's a homosexual or a lesbian. We preach the gospel to them. Because we understand one thing. In Romans 1, it says that God has given them over to a depraved mind. We understand the depraved mind. We understand the former life. We understand where they're at, how they are in their sin. So what do we do? We preach the only thing that will save them, the only thing that will break the bonds, the only thing that breaks the chains. So we can see that their fetters fall off. We preach the gospel of grace. But we do it gracefully and mercifully and compassionately because that's how the grace came to us. But it's whoever you come in contact with. The Bible doesn't sit there and say a particular group. No, Gentiles, right? Gentiles. This is who Paul went to. So we must understand, though, this is what we must understand. When we are ambassadors and we represent the truth, there's going to be some things that happen, right? There's going to be some things that happen, just like Paul. Paul was persecuted. He was beaten. He was whipped. We read in Fox's Book of Martyrs, same thing. Many people, they were beaten. They were whipped. They, they, were, they were stoned. They, they were burned. You know, the Apostle John was dipped in hot, boiling oil. Yes, this is what we look forward to, being persecuted. You're going to be hated when you preach the truth. When you represent Jesus Christ, you're going to be hated. You're going to be talked bad about. You might even lose your job. You will be seen as haters when you do not use the right pronoun as those believers in Canada now. Me and Dick were talking about it yesterday. You can go to jail in Canada for not using the right pronoun. This is what we face, brothers and sisters. This is the reality of what God has called you to. It's the same thing that he called Paul to. A life of suffering and persecution, but a glorious life to come when we speak the truth. Ultimately, we may lose our lives just like Jesus did for preaching the truth. But what a glorious death it would be, right? If we lost our lives for preaching the gospel. This is our calling. This is what God wants us to do. This is what we are to be faithful to. This is what Paul was faithful to. At the end of the chapter, it says this, that when Paul was preaching the gospel, he was unknown. All that they knew is that the one who is persecuting us now is preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Brothers and sisters, when we preach the faith, people will try to destroy us. People will try to condemn us. People will hate us and they will look down on us. But there will also be those that glorify God because of you. So to close, may you and I know that we are walking and talking witnesses to the gospel of grace. And may the Spirit strengthen us all to be those who boldly proclaim the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for a tremendous, 
tremendous passage, Lord, which speaks of a changed lives. May we, Lord, evaluate in our own hearts where we are. Are our lives changed? Are our lives changing? Father, we do we see a greater love for you and a greater hatred for this world? Father, when we go to witness to people, I pray that we would have the mindset that we would see them according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. That we would see souls, Father, that are headed for hell. And even in here, Father, today, if there's any in here, Lord, whose souls are headed to hell, please, Father, I beg of you, please bring them to Christ. Help them to see that Jesus has borne their condemnation, that he has borne their sin in his body. Oh, Lord, open their eyes. Take the veil away that they would see Christ in all of his glory. Please do this, Lord, for your glorious grace. Now as we sing our last song, Lord, may our hearts be just riveted by who we are, what you have called us to. Thank you, Father, for your choosing of each and every one of us. In your name we pray these things. Amen.